welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello and welcome to Nerd Party News, the show on the Nerd Party where we talk about the news. I'm Mike. I'm Lance. And today we're joined by a very special guest, Lee from the A24 Project and Filibuster. How's it going, Lee? Yeah, good, thanks. I suppose like being involved with this like recording on a Sunday means that I have like an hour freed up now on my Monday morning to listen to another <laughs> podcast. So uh, yeah, it's kind of got a nice little balance here. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it seems like you've been listening because you've been, you know, commenting on uh, Bachelor statuses <laughs> and stuff like that. Do, do they have The Bachelor over in Scotland? Maybe. Uh, there's, there's hundreds of cable channels here, but uh, yeah, I'm completely unaware of if it's happening there. But like, uh, yeah, I'm fully involved in, in Lance's journey on this and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing his uh, his weekly update on what's happening in the world of The Bachelor. Oh, it's a, it's a doozy, man. This week was crazy. <laughs> Yeah, you said what they added like five people or something like that. What what happened this week? Yeah, okay. So there were so five new girls were added to the house after the previous week's drama, and this was you know right after a rose ceremony. So like it was whittled down to eighteen girls, and then they added five more. You know, so the existing girls were not pleased at all by this new development, and Victoria. And has now has a has an accomplice in her in her deviousness on the show. And that is I think her name is Anna uh, from Chicago, who started a rumor about one of the new girls, possibly like about her being an escort, uh, which turned out to be not true uh, and just causing so much more drama in the house. And meanwhile, like, you know, the you know, my new favorite Katie is still being the only adult in the room and is letting Matt, the bachelor, know that, like, look, there's some. You know, there's drama in the house, like, but you no, know, now it's go, it's gone a little bit, you know, past like the, the acceptable level of like <laughs> of drama. Like now it's getting it's getting personal. It's getting it's getting it's getting nasty. And so, based off of that, for this week, I I am hoping that Katie gets her one on one because like she deserves it after for being just the, an adult <laughs> in the room. Uh, I don't think she's the favorite in the clubhouse though. I think that that's still Bree and. Abigail, I think those are the two that are the leaders for uh, for the final rose. But Katie deserves her one on one. That's my my take. Is this hmm. being like filmed in sort of like lockdown kind of period, or was this like filmed before? I'm not sure when it was obviously filmed before uh, because you know the the pe- the contestants like are you know they're on social media and they kind of you know talk about the show and stuff like that uh, i'm not exactly sure when it was filmed but it was filmed prior it was filmed they are they are isolated they're at this this mansion hotel thing in in pennsylvania um the bachelorette last season was at like some resort in Arizona. So like they were isolated and they had to quarantine before for X amount of days before being allowed to come onto the show and all that other stuff. You see like some of the people like, you know, the camera crew, you know, in in certain shots, they're wearing masks still when you, when you get to see them. So, you know, it's still somewhat of an isolated situation as much as it can be. All of them have been quarantined and all of them do not have the virus. And I'm pretty sure they get tested regularly. So, um, the the final rose. I mean, once everyone gets a rose, does that mean that they move on to the next round? Basically, yeah. And the final rose means basically that like you are the one that is chosen, and typically that means that this ends in a proposal. Okay, so so we're not at that stage yet. That's like oh, not even close. Okay, all right, all right. No, so, there's still like twenty something girls left. Okay. See, that got me tuning in for the next 20 odd weeks of your podcast. So uh, <laughs> keep it going. Yeah. I mean, so, so do they get rid of like one person a week or is no, it? No, it's not one person a week. So it's like, it's, oh. it's, so I think at this next ceremony, I think there'll only be like, what, there's 23 girls left. There'll probably be, you know, maybe only 18 roses available. So mm-hmm. some people, so like a, like a, like a, a sum go home at, like at a time. So it's not like, um, like one person per time. Cause they start off with 32 and now they're down to, they were down to 18 after four episodes, but now they're back up to, to 23. Mm, okay. Mm. Well, I did see some other people online talking about Katie. So it seems like she is a, 
a, a fan favorite. But yeah, um, well, yeah, because she's handling the drama like appropriately. She's like an adult, um, yeah. and so and she's she seems like an like an interesting person as well. So um, uh, I don't want to say that that I'm developing a crust just yet, but I am saying that I am a fan of, okay. of hers. She she did definitely earn herself a follow from me on social media. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Well, cool. Well, so so next episode, these things are on Mondays, right? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we'll get the uh, the scoop from you next week. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad somebody out there appreciates them. <laughs> so, uh, Lee, what what have you been watching this week? It's been a kind of quiet week, really. Um, I feel so disappointed. Like, if you'd asked me, like, any of the other weeks of this sort of year, I would have been like, I watched this screener or that movie. I've kind of been watching kind of just random bits and pieces on sort of, like, Netflix or Apple TV this week. I've kind of watched, finally watched Beyonce's Lemonade. I revisited Popstar, Bad Education. You know, I kind of felt in the mood for for things along those lines. But kind of getting to the end of a Star Trek Enterprise rewatch. I've never rewatched it all the way through since. Um, and yeah that's been kind of nice and I picked up Sopranos on um, for iTunes this week so I'm excited to finally start that like I've only ever seen maybe a handful of episodes in the final scene so I'm excited to like <laughs> spend the next three months of this lockdown I'm probably going to be in finally catching up with everyone like two decades later and watching uh, Sopranos so yeah that it's been a, a kind of mix that week uh, it's been kind of a mix this week so so you'll you'll be ready for the for the movie exactly that's what i was thinking yeah yeah Yeah. oh that's cool that's cool it's it's a good show for sure yeah what about you lance what have you seen um all of the kobe bryant tribute stuff that's been going on this week uh so that was including like the the sports center special the re-airing of his final game where he had 60 points and then also uh the film kobe doing work yeah, uh, that Spike Lee did, and it's and it's just him talking. You know, it's you know, which was really cool because like it's him talking through his process and like what he would thinks about during a game. And I think the most poignant moment of that of that film was the very end, and it's it's post game, and he's he's walking out with his family, going to his car, and it's uh, it's a very young, and he's talking about his daughter because at this point he only has the, his two oldest, and uh, Natalia and Gianna. And he's talking about like the differences between the two. And he's like, but Gianna, he's like, he's a total daddy's girl and wants to do everything that I do and wants to, you know, and, and wants to be around me all of the time. And, um, he's like, he's like, and, you know, he talked about how much he loves his daughters, but he made a point to talk about like how Gianna is, you know, wants to do you know, everything that he does and she, and like views him like, like her best friend. And it's just like, and it just, it, 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 it makes it, uh, hurt that much more knowing that like that's what you know she wanted to do you know she was the one of his daughters that 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 followed in his footsteps and the one who was most like him the one that wanted to play basketball and and all that stuff and and it it sucks that you know the two of them and including the the seven others uh are gone um after that tragic uh helicopter accident but uh, that's kind of what i was watching this week yeah yeah well that's, that's good um I watched a movie which I had seen before, Be Cool, uh, which is not a good movie uh, in general, but it's significant in that uh, it is the end of, of my journey through Elmore Leonard's filmography. I, I've This has sort of been my, my lockdown thing for, I don't know, probably since July. I said that I wanted to see every single Elmore Leonard movie, and I started watching them all in book order. And... Be Cool was the last one I finally finished. It was 21 movies. And, you know, the thing that I found was that um, there's a lot of them which are bad. Uh, there's a lot of them which are pretty good. And then there's like three masterpieces, you know, uh, Get Shorty, Out of Sight, and Jackie Brown. And um, I'm glad that I did it. I'm glad that I kind of, you know, checked all those boxes. But there weren't really any movies which I discovered where I was like, oh man, you know, this has been a huge blind spot for me and I'm glad that I saw it. It was just kind of like everything was like, yeah, it's fine, you know. And some stuff like Be Cool, which I remember when I saw it, you know, back when it came out, super excited about it because of how much I love Get Shorty. And at the time I was like, oh, that's fine. And I've never seen it since and watching it now I'm like, 
this is really bad. You know, (laughs) (laughs) they're just basically doing like a riff on Get Shorty. Like, remember that line that you liked in the first one so much? Well, here it is again, you know. So, so yeah, but it was so cool in, in a lot of ways to kind of like see a lot of these like deep cuts. And, um, you know, I wanted to see the TV shows as well, but I think the only two that you can really find are Get Shorty and um, Justified, um, which everyone says is great, in which I guess Karen Sisko is actually, because they did a Karen Sisko TV show with... Uh, um, Oh, Carla uh, Gugino? Carla Gugino, yes, yes, thank you. She played Karen Sisko in the TV show. That's right. was awesome, but you can't get it anywhere. But now she actually shows up in Justified as Karen Sisko, but they changed her last name because of rights issues or something. But Of course. Whatever. I, I need to watch Justified still. And, and I've seen like the first season of Get Shorty. I'll get to the rest of it. But okay. that's my big thing. Be cool. Not that okay. good. So, yeah. Fair. Ah, well, a lot of news this week, um, and I guess we'll start with a couple of A24 projects since we have the uh, the <laughs> A24 expert in the house. Uh, two titles announced this week, which seem rather significant. The first one is Showing Up, which is the new movie directed by Kelly Reichardt and starring Michelle Williams. Uh, Kelly Reichardt, she, she did First Cow, right? Yep, second best film of last year. It, it was it was a good movie, not the second best film of last year, but it was good. <laughs> um, so so what what what's this all about? So we kind of it's one of those things. It's reuniting sort of Michelle Williams and uh, Kelly Reichardt. So they've done three films together, which is sort of Wendy and Lucy, uh, Meeks cut off, and Certain Women. And she was sort of like three for three now with sort of Kelly Reichardt, uh, with Kelly Reichardt. But I almost kind of feel bad with sort of this news because like it's reminded me sort of that one of my favorite Star Trek actors, I'm going to find a way to like get this back into the nerd world, um, unfortunately has died. Sort of René Ebenezer had been in sort of the last two Kelly Reichardt films. So I was kind of like here in the excitement of her, him, of her of a new Kelly Reichardt film and thinking, oh, there's not going to be a René Ebenezer this time. So, um, yeah, it's not something I'm too much familiar with. Like, I think the news dropped the other day on sort of their podcast, and I've got it here. So it's going to be about a funny uh, portrait of an artist on the verge of a career-changing exhibition as she navigates family, friends, and colleagues in the lead-up to her show. The chaos of life becomes the inspiration for great art. So... I have a feeling this probably isn't going to go the way of something like, um, was it Velvet Buzzsaw or Velvet Buzzkill? I can't remember the name of that film. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what kind of Reichardt does with this next, you know, whether she sort of moves away from sort of the um, the outdoors of sort of Oregon and, and kind of maybe goes back into the cities. But yeah, my kind of initial thought was, oh yeah, I'm not going to see Rene Abidjan, a kind of Kelly Reichardt film again. And, and that makes me a bit sad. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, coming off of First Cow and everything, it seems like, you know, this is probably going to be a pretty, a pretty hot movie when it does, mm-hmm. when it does release. So that's, that's cool. Now, the other one is, is a movie which apparently has already been shot in secret. And that's uh, The Eternal Daughter, starring Tilda Swinton and directed by Joanna Hogg, who did The Souvenir and also The Souvenir Part Two, which has already been filmed, right? That's right. Yeah. So I'm going to throw this question to you guys first. Have you ever watched um, a Joanna Hogg film? No, I Mm -hmm. haven't. No. I mean, the souvenir, like I remember like it came out and it was like one of those things where like the reviews were like through the roof and yet everybody who saw it, who wasn't a critic was like, this movie's terrible. (laughs) And that didn't like dissuade me from from watching it but um you know it, it because of that it just didn't get much play here you know yeah like it's one of those ones like obviously martin scorsese is producing this like he he's done with the souvenir and it's always kind of interesting thinking like why is martin scorsese one of like the biggest directors in the world kind of doing these sorts of productions on sort of low budget female english auteur work um but apparently it kind of came around from like years ago he was sort of like in a hotel in London and the BFI, the the British Film Institute, just went, here's a load of DVDs. And he watched them and he kind of watched some of these sorts of Johanna Hogg films. And she isn't a director that doesn't, you know, 
she's kind of got small kind of films before sort of the souvenir um, that not many people watched um, are very much kind of like, if you want to see what life is like in upper class English households, this is kind of your filmmaker for that. Um, but the souvenir I, I really liked, but even sort of within critics, I found, you know, I, I watched it at a film festival and it is very polarizing. You know, I had friends much like myself that went, wow, that was fantastic. I love it. To those that kind of turned around and went, that was utter rubbish. Um, mm. But it's kind of interesting. I'm really looking forward to the souvenir part two, but to kind of tie it back into sort of nerd culture again, um, uh, Robert Pattinson was due to star in it as sort of the, the male lead in the film but unfortunately due to sort of Tennant having to get like some extra shoots done or um, some reshoots done he had to like pull out of it so there's an interesting kind of world where Robert Pattinson once again does another A24 film but um, fortunately had to pull out of that one so yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to, to this one it's kind of shot in Wales um, and obviously uh, Tilda Swinton kind of has appeared in sort of the souvenir films. Um, and yeah, it's the story of, and it won't surprise you if you've watched Joanna Hogg's film, the story of a middle-aged daughter and her elderly mother who must confront long-buried secrets when they return to their when they return to their former family home, a once grand manor that's become a nearly vacant hotel brimming with mystery. So yeah, you hear that and you think, yeah, that sounds like typical Joanna Hogg. I look forward to the polarizing reviews when that comes along. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I like the idea of like little movies like The Souvenir getting a sequel, you know, I mean, it's like standard operating procedure when it comes to like massive blockbusters. But, you know, whenever there's like a little indie movie, you know, that that gets a sequel, it's it's pretty cool because that's not really the norm that you Hmm. see those stories continue. Yeah, absolutely. And it'll be A24's first sequel as well. So that'll be an interesting one. So I, I'm kind of probably expecting it to kind of start probably the festival circuit maybe later this year, maybe London Film Festival or Toronto or something like that. So yeah, it, I'm sure it's all kind of just ready to go, but there's been no word, no trailer, no images. We'll just see what has to come. Well, surely they might do something to, since this is their first sequel you think that they would like like the marketing for it would be a little bit different or they might try to push it more considering that this is a first right like people like to promote things that are first so um i can imagine seeing more buzz about this coming up later potentially a24 has habit for better or worse sometimes of like certain films will get all the blitz in the world it could be your sort of lighthouse your um uncut gems but then you could have another film like the last black man in san francisco for example which kind of comes along has a kind of a bit of a rollout maybe waves as well here's a bit Mm. of time with these films you didn't see it um, when it had a little rollout in sort of Los Angeles and New York. Oh, well, we're kind of a bit scared about it. We're going to pull back all the advertising budget and kind of put it on maybe sort of more Oscar friendly kind of movies. And, you know, you'll maybe get a day out at sort of the, you know, the Indie Awards or something like that. Okay. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's it's A24's first sequel, but it's not the first sequel to an A24 movie. Let's not forget Yoga Hosers, the sequel to Tusk. So. <laughs> or let's forget it because it was really bad. I don't know. Or the other. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you look at like A24, you know, and you think about it and sort of like the the kind of like cult which has developed around it. I mean, the fact that you guys do a podcast on it, you know, a podcast dedicated to movies being released by a studio. Like that's a, a pretty specific thing like you wouldn't really see like the 20th century fox podcast especially since you know it doesn't exist anymore yeah but you know i mean that really did exist like back in the 90s with miramax as well you know people would just say like well i like miramax movies and they'd go to all the miramax movies and of course you know miramax has uh basically fallen and and doesn't exist in its uh previous form at all anymore and uh, now, just recently, like back in July, Paramount bought Miramax's catalog and the rights to all their stuff, which is great for a number of reasons. One, no more involvement from the Weinsteins. Two, a, a lot of these things which had sort of been in limbo are now being revisited. You know, Scream is is coming out. I mean, they already shot a new Scream movie and everything, and Paramount is like really interested in revisiting a lot of these old Miramax properties. And also, by the way, much easier to book 
Miramax catalog <laughs> titles now that Paramount owns them. It's great. So we'll probably uh-huh. get to see a lot more of those on the big screen. But but regardless of that, one of the properties which obviously just it just makes sense for them to revisit is Spy Kids. And sure enough, Paramount is now uh, working on a Spy Kids reboot sequel with Robert Rodriguez coming back to write and direct. Now, are you guys Spy Kids fans? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah? Okay. I, I mean, I enjoyed them. Um, I'm a a Alexa Penavega fan. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. um, cause she, you know, if you listen to, you know, my other podcast, you know, I'm a, I'm a Hallmark fan as well. And she's shown up on a couple of those. Uh, so <laughs> not, not surprising. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> it seems, it seems, it seems like her, her type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah. Well, well, you know what? She, she, uh, she turned out all right. I'll, I'll say that much. And the guy that played her brother, he had a glow up as well. He's married to Megan Trainer. Um, oh yeah, I don't well, didn't know if you guys knew that, so it's like good for, good for the Spy Kids. They grew up yeah. well. Yeah. Hey. Uh, what what about you, Lee? Are, are you a Spy Kids fan? Uh, unfortunately, not. Um, and like that's no <laughs> dig on the films. I've just never watched them. I think they came out like two thousand and one, so I like had yeah. just sort of become like a teenager, and I was kind of getting into sort of the faculty, you know, picking that mm-hmm. up from like place like Blockbuster, then kind of Sin City, and around that time revisiting the El Mariachi kind of movies that come out to that point. And then Once a Time Upon a Time in Mexico, like that was who Robert Rodriguez was to me, and sort of his other involvement with kind of those kind of films and. I've always found it a bit frustrating since that his career by and large has been about these kind of child friendly films, you know, the spy kids, lava girls. I always felt like there's been two decades where it's like, I would love to have seen what kind of adult entertainment he had kind of made. So yeah, I I find his career very fascinating and kind of where it looks to be going in the next few years too. Yeah, I definitely get that as well. I mean, at the time, you know, after having come off of like that string of like genre movies, which were all like really good when they were like, oh, it's an action movie. It's a, it's an action kids movie, you know, from the director of Desperado and stuff. I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, you know, sign me up. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I watched it when when it came out and it is really good. That first one in particular, I think. Yeah. I think you would enjoy, um, you know, really. Good yeah, cast. I'm, I'm not talking about like Spy Kids 3D here. Like, <laughs> well, Spy Kids 3D is is I think it has a place. The two <laughs> is the one that I didn't like, and and when they did try to reboot it a few years ago mm-hmm. with uh, Jessica Alba, you know, kind of like oh, the, the kids are growing up and now there's yeah. new Spy Kids. That that actually kind of worked for me. Yeah, know. there's there's something you can be done with that you can do with it. It'll be interesting to see what it is that they do with it. I just hope, you know, again, with that first one, it was kind of like that point where it was on the edge between him doing everything himself and him, you know, kind of still collaborating, like he still had Guillermo Navarro, you know, shooting it and stuff like that. And I hope he kind of veers more in that direction. I kind of think he won't. But, you know, if it gets too cheap, it's kind of unwatchable at times. So <laughs> we'll we'll see. We'll see how this goes. Maybe Paramount will have some influence over him in that regard. But um, another Miramax title, which is being revisited, which is something which I've been looking forward to for, geez, probably like 15 years now, is Jersey Girl by <laughs> Kevin Smith. You, you guys fans of Jersey Girl? It's all right. Yeah. Is that the one with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon? Uh, Affleck is in it. Damon's not in it, but uh, it's it was the one at the time. It was the big deal was it was the second Ben Affleck Jennifer Lopez movie. Ah, yes. And because of that, it was like delayed forever because like Gili had the first like rights to to be the first one so the movie was delayed for like a year just because they weren't allowed to release it before Gili and then what happened in that year was Gili came out and was considered to be like one of the worst movies ever made and Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck broke up and yep. everyone was completely sick of of all their you know shenanigans yeah their their drama and everything so the studio, the Weinsteins, went to Kevin Smith and said, okay, uh, we need to basically cut 
Jennifer Lopez out of this movie. So spoilers for <laughs> Jersey Girl, <laughs> but in 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 a movie which was billed as like Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck, you know, together again forever, you know, they basically have like a montage over the opening credits where they show their relationship, and then in the first scene after the credits, Jennifer Lopez gives birth to their kid and she dies. And then she's not in the rest of the movie. Yeah. And it, it really is more about uh, Ben Affleck's relationship with the kid. And then also like his romantic relationship is with Liv Tyler. That's what the movie was actually about. But uh, as it turns out, they cut out like a half an hour from that movie at the beginning. All that stuff that's in that montage, those were all like full scenes. And they really built up this relationship and then when she dies, you know, half an hour in, it's it's a bit of a shock and everything like that. And this this director's cut is played one time at one of Kevin Smith's film festivals. No one's ever seen it since. And for whatever reason, Paramount went to Kevin Smith now and is like, hey, you want to revisit Jersey Girl? And he's like, yeah, I want to release that director's cut. And well, I want to no- call it Jersey Girl the Snyder Cut. Ugh. Well, first of all, you know what you know why Paramount went to him with this, right? Because Jennifer Lopez is now huge again. No, uh, no, okay. Oh, so no, Jennifer Lopez is always going to be a draw. They went to they went to him with this because they need they have the Paramount Plus is launching. They need content. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and so good. and that's good. And so and I think you know Kevin Smith. You know him saying like, "Oh, I want to call it the you know the Snyder Cut." That's calculated. He's not like it's not. That's not like him making a joke, and that's not him actually really wanting to do that. Like that's their way of marketing themselves. Like, hey, Paramount Plus can have their own version of a Snyder Cut on their own th- on their thing. That's right? good. That's good. I like that. Yeah. I don't know. I can't wait. I really hope it happens. And I really hope the other thing about it, which was a joke, but on the commentary for Jersey Girl, they talked about how they hoped it made like $100 million so that they could go back and release another cut of the movie called Jersey Damned, which would basically be like a horror version of the movie where anytime (laughs) the girl didn't get her way, she would use her mind powers to like, you know, kill people and stuff like that. I I would love to see that too. I don't think we're going to get that, but it would be great if we did. Oh, well. Um, Speaking of uh, Snyder Cuts, Mm -hmm. the big story this week, Justice League. Yep. Zack Snyder's Justice League, I believe is what it's called, right? Allegedly, I guess. (laughs) It is indeed being released in March on HBO Max, March 18th to be Mm -hmm. precise. And according to the press release, it is going to be just one movie. It's not going to be a miniseries. Yeah. Although I wouldn't be surprised if they break it up into like, you know, episodes as well, you know? Oh, I I, know. Who knows? They're, they're probably I one of know. those things. Remember when sort of like um, The Irishman came out, like you would get these like Twitter things of like, if you stop it at this point, like that's this chapter. And then if you stop <laughs> at this point, that's chapter two. There will be something like that that will kind of immediately kick around. I'm sure someone will be very creative. I mean, one of the other things he said is that the movie itself is broken up into like six chapters. So I guess it's pretty easy to do. He's like six chapters, four episodes, one movie. It's like, geez, how complicated is this thing? You know, <laughs> it's like watching Mosaic or something like that. But, uh, yeah. Um. So, 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 Lee, I, I know you're excited about this, right? Well, there's no word on when it's going to be kind of shown in what capacity in the UK because we do not have HBO uh, Max. No, no, no. I think they did. You have HBO though. No. Um, oh, we have, well, we have, yeah, yeah. So basically, well, yeah, no. So basically, Warner Brothers have a deal with Sky here, um, sort of own, owned by the sort of the Murdochs. Um, they kind of have this deal where sort of like Warner Brother material goes there for you know periods of time, etc. Um, and like that's why you don't see sort of like the UK, probably like one of the biggest countries you probably want after America for like your streaming service to go to. Like that's why there's no word on when it will ever come because like this deal is like wrapped up for years and years to come. So um, yeah, it'll be probably like Wonder Woman, maybe like VOD or potentially just sort of like released onto sort of Sky movies. So I I I. Didn't like the original Justice League by by any stretch. I'm more interested in sort of the film as sort of a creative exercise. I'm curious to watch it with that kind of 
that eye on it as opposed to like I can't wait to watch four hours of a, a Zack Snyder movie so the cinemas will not be open here by by March it would be my feeling so yeah they'll they'll have to find a way to to deal with it because what they did with Wonder Woman was that it kind of dropped it was going to drop before America in cinemas here and they pretty much had a two-day window before the cinemas shut but it kind of still got out into the cinemas. So I think there might be the capacity if cinemas are open to kind of have a screening or two of it, but I can't see that happening. So um, it'll be really interesting to see how that comes together. Now, Lance, I know you kind of have like a, I don't know if you call it love-hate relationship, but you're you're <laughs> you're, you're disgusted by it, yet, uh, yet uh, strangely compelled by it, something along those lines. <laughs> Basically, yeah. It's like, you know, it's it's... It's that old analogy with the the the, the car wreck. Like yeah. you can't help but you know, but rubberneck and look look at it, right? Mm-hmm. And mostly, like I'm looking forward to it just to you know, obviously to see it, right? But at the same time, I'm also looking forward to it so that way the discourse on it will kind of be reaching an endpoint because that part of this whole thing, I'm I'm. I'm annoyed and frustrated <laughs> by, and I think you know, I think the the larger issue with this cut that i have with it is the fact that to me this screams more like i'm getting a do-over for something that was not uh you know as successful as we wanted it to be especially because we are competing with the juggernaut that is the marvel cinematic universe right because in a lot of ways you know this dc extended universe that was you know started with him in man of steel was supposed to be dc's response you know to the MCU and you know, DC and Marvel have been going at it for years in every single medium and every single thing, right? It's just, it's just the way it is. Like they are, you know, they are, they are rival companies, somewhat friendly, but somewhat times and somewhat at times unfriendly. And so in, as far as movies are concerned, this was their answer and it did not do as well. And people think, and I think there's a growing sentiment and there's a large sentiment that this is going to change everything. And this is going to be, you know, what Avengers Endgame was. And it's going to be all this, it's going to be this, that, and the third. And it's like, well, no, because the the parts around it do not, (laughs) do not make it so. And so I'm interested to see what this is going to be, because it's obviously, I think, going to be better than Justice League, because that's not a high bar to clear. Um, But I am interested to see, you know, if this is just, you know, an, a further extension of Man of Steel and BVS movies I didn't really like all that much, or if this is going to be different, like, did he, with this extra time, did he, you know, did he make some changes? Did he, like, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see what this becomes and what, like, what response this is to what we've seen and what was uh, discussed and and what they're competing against. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not expecting anything out of it at all but at the same time i i am very much looking forward to seeing it because i'm very because i really don't know what to expect out of it you know mm-hmm. Par- partially because every time they've said stuff i've been like i don't know what you guys are talking about like literally <laughs> i don't know what you guys are talking about or like they show an image and i'm like i can't see what that is you, you know what i mean like it's yeah. like uh i mean well i mean the day of this recording right like you know he you know you know zach has been active on his Vero account and yeah. people are posting it to Twitter. And then like, he posted an image of, uh, that said like, uh, you know, with, uh, the Martian is like something with the Martian Manhunter, but like, it's not even a picture of the Martian Manhunter It's a picture of cyborg. It's like, yeah, that's, that's why I responded to you when you sent that to me, I responded with LOL because yeah. it's like, like, what are we doing here? But of course, like, you know, there are people who are just like, yes, this is great. I'm just like, what is? Come on. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, people are excited about the movie and because of that, they're, you know, anything, they're just eating it up. And <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely, even though I liked Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman a, a bunch, like the stuff that people are getting excited about with this is not exciting me at all. Correct. But same. At, the, at the same time, I'm like really, really looking forward to it. You know, I'm, I'm going to do a rewatch of all the, well, the four movies that take place before this one, you know, leading mm-hmm. up to it and everything. Um, just to revisit them more than anything else. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I think all those pictures today, because he posted a bunch of pictures he today, did. and I think they sh- ran it, like they showed the movie to maybe like cast and crew in mm-hmm. like an IMAX theater. That's what it looked like. Seems like it, yeah. I'm wondering, I mean, because they didn't say, you know, he's talked about like wanting to release it theatrically. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if we'll get that. I mean, as much as I'm like, uh, I don't think this movie is going to be good. If someone was like, you want to go to a movie theater and watch 
Justice League for four hours, I'd be like, absolutely. That let me get my ticket now, and I will yeah. totally watch that. You know, no, I'd do it. And, and again, like as I've said before, it's like he already has my money, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Like this is this is this is this is a given, right? Like so, um, so of course, like if it comes to the theaters and like it's safe, like I'll I'll do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know. Now, are you are you guys gonna order? Because they do have it, I think, set up for the UK as well. Are you guys gonna order the uh, the Justice League dinner <laughs> pack? Now, it's see, only, I might it's do this. It's only one hundred and thirty bucks. Well, see, the funny thing about this is, like, I don't view this as a like because again, like, this is I'm as a DC comics fan, I'm excited about these things because you know these are things that are staples of the DC universe, like, you know, big belly burger jitters, right? Like, I mean, like though that let's, that, that'd be cool. Even though it's, it's just some novelty, whatever, it'd be cool to be say to like, Hey, I'm eating a big belly burger. Right. Cause these are like signs, you know, we've seen signs for like big belly burger at like the, you know, on the Warner brothers, you know, lot or the, you know, the, the superhero section of a six flags that's been there for years. Right. The same thing with jitters. Like, you know, when you get like your ice cream and coffee, like there's like a jitter sign, there's a big belly sign. Like there's all that stuff. It's been there for years. Right. And it's, it's come more to the forefront in like the, the Arrowverse cause they make a big push that, you know, those are the places that people eat and drink. Um, that's where so, I thought they were from, to be honest. Ah, I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't know that they were, you know, in other things too. Oh yeah, no, they they are they are DC universe staples. So that is the reason why I'm excited about it. So I might do that. Okay, all like, right. I f- I find the price like I never realized it was like 130 bucks. Like that yeah. blows my mind because like just now obviously we are in full lockdown here, but we can still get like food deliveries and meal packages and so on. And like you get a lot of like really fancy posh restaurants here in Edinburgh, even like Michelin starred places like that are doing meals that you can sort of like cook up and heat at home for much less than you would get like a burger, some coffee and some fries. Like, you know, fair play to capitalism for like milk and 130 bucks out of like, you know, people for burgers and fries. And I I think there was a coffee in there as well. Like there there was also something like cod, like Aquaman fish, like Mm -hmm. eat Aquaman's, you know, brother or something. Something. I don't know. Um, and, and I think it is, I mean, to be fair, I mean, it's still outrageous, but I think it's $130 oh, yeah. for two for two servings. You know what I mean? Like, there's, it's a two-pack, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, so I mean, I might, but like, it's funny that that's like a thing that's available. And yeah. my thought on that is just like, well, how come that stuff hasn't been like available like, you know, earlier? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, great. I mean, great, great that they're doing this like in lead up to, you know, a significant, you know, DC thing with uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, but um, this is something they could have done, you know, way earlier. Yeah, yeah. All right, so um, moving on to other DC-related news, uh, Netflix announced the casting for uh, the new Sandman TV show, which is which they're working on. Um, Tom Sturridge is playing Dream. Um, I don't. I don't know who he, who he is. Anybody He's the lead character. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know who Tom Sturridge is. Oh, I don't know. No, okay. And then the big one, which everyone's talking about, is that uh, Gwendolyn Christie is going to play Lucifer, which is cool. I, you know, I, I they didn't say who's playing Death, which is interesting. I don't know. I mean, that was like the big in in high school. That was the big conversation in nerd circles. You know, like it's I, one I, of them. Yeah, I vividly remember like. Uh, some girl in in high school saying like you know they're gonna get Tori Amos but they should really get Fiona Apple and I'm like <laughs> I don't think that either well whatever anyway um but but uh, you know in addition to this they've also announced that the Sandman audio drama on Audible is getting uh not one but two more seasons and they broke it down and basically this will take them up through like book 8 and there's like 10 books mm-hmm. so there'll be like one more season i i don't know i i guess they just felt like announcing three seasons is too much but i can't imagine them doing all but the last two chapters of the story right i mean that doesn't make sense yeah H- have you guys listened to this thing i've not but it's it's been something like that that is been of interest. It's just something I've never pulled the trigger on. Yeah, I mean, crazy cast like James McAvoy, you know, yeah. as the star and stuff. And I, I, it's definitely something that I want to see. But the thing is, I've never read all of the the Sandman books. It's yeah, that's like also huge... something I haven't done either. Yeah, no. have, have you read them, I, Lee? 
No, no, I'm not. I'm not too familiar with Star Sam. I remembered for years, obviously Joseph Gordon Levitt. I think was trying to bring it off the ground, yeah. but yeah. I, I should add that the author caused an international incident here in Scotland during lockdown. <laughs> uh, so there, there you go. So I don't know if you keep up to date with like the drama, um, but him and his partner, sort of Amanda Palmer, a female singer, I really enjoy. And um, she, they were sort of in New Zealand when kind of lockdown kicked off. And then they had like a big argument and fight. So he decided, you know what you do when you're sort of living on the other side of the planet, you know, in in New Zealand, you go, you know what, I'm going to travel 11,000 miles during a pandemic to Scotland to stay in our other household to get away from you. So he kind of broke uh, lockdown restrictions to travel 11,000 miles to Scotland to then sort of land in Edinburgh where I stay, then travel up all the way to the Isle of Skye, um, which is featured in the movie Prometheus. So there we go, keeping it nerdy. And uh, yeah, he got he got in trouble from the, the first minister and the police for that. And happy story, he has now returned to New Zealand. So yeah, if you're um, if you're interested in Sandman, just be aware that the, the author has committed an international incident during lockdown, which is, is some going. All right. Dang, well, I mean, did not know about that. I, probably just because, you know, here in America, we have our own incidents that we've been inundated with. Yeah, <laughs> so, daily. If that happened in America, it'd be like, uh, that's the least of our problems. It's Tuesday. Right? Exactly. <laughs> um, I, 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 I never read them all. I mean, that was like, yeah, in high school, they were all coming out and like everyone in the sci-fi fantasy club was just passing them around like crazy. And it's one of those things where it's like, I need to do it. Maybe if I sign up for this DC Universe Infinite thing, that'll be the mm. time. Although I do have them all. But I'm, I'm going to read them all <laughs> so I can listen to this audio drama and watch this TV show without being go. conflicted. Okay, so, you know, the Justice League coming out March 18th, you know, is having a, a small domino effect in that Godzilla versus Kong, which was supposed to drop in theaters and on HBO Max on March 26th, is now coming out five days later on March 31st. Um, so that, you know, whatever sucks or whatever. It's not, not a huge deal. But that's not going to be the only Godzilla Kong stuff that we're going to get to see. Netflix just announced that they're doing two animated series unrelated to each other, one of which is Skull Island, which I guess is expanded universe for the movies, and then the other one is a Tomb Raider anime, which is going to be a sequel to the current line of video games. And this Skull Island one is being run by Brian Duffield, the guy who he kind of blew up uh, this year um, with Spontaneous, and he also wrote The Babysitter and uh, that um, Kristen Stewart thing. Was it Underwater, whatever it was, the the monster thing? So, oh, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't good. I forgot she did that. Yeah, most people did. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, I think actually I think Fox forgot about her. Disney forgot about her for a while there, too. Um, well, hey, but, she's going to be Princess Di. So. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know? So, so yeah, I mean, what do you guys think? Are you interested in a Skull Island animated series? Hey, I think, I don't know about you guys, but when I saw the news drop a few days ago, did you have to do a double take when you saw like Skull Island, Tomb Raider, anime? Like I find yes. that like an interesting one. Like that was the thing that stood out for me. I was yes. like, okay, I, d- I didn't really need to read anymore until sort of like we got the homework <laughs> for this episode. I was like, okay, anime, sure, fair enough. I didn't see that coming and I'm an interesting choice, I think. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. Like when I first like, you know, you know clicked the link, and I was just like, there's a like, that's what this is going to be? Okay, and like now, like I'm interested, and now, like you know, seeing that, I was like, well, now I kind of wish that that was the case because that seems like it'd be a whole lot of fun. Um, but I don't know; it's something I might check out. It's weird. I mean, like I, you know, I saw the news, and at first I was like, Skull Island, okay, expanded universe anime, like that. That didn't seem surprising to me, but I saw a lot of people who had the same reaction, where it's like, why, like hard pass, you know? And I'm like, mm-hmm. what? And then, and then, I mean, to me, I was like, well, that's an interesting thing. I'll probably never watch it just because, you know, whatever. But then when they said Duffield was involved, I was like, well, I might have to give this a chance now <laughs> because, like, spontaneous in particular, I was like kind of blown away by, no pun intended. There it um, is. But, <laughs> um, yeah, but it was, it was, uh, it was very, 
I don't know, interesting. The Tomb Raider one, I have to say, I'm much less interested in. But one thing which I am substantially more interested in now is the Tomb Raider sequel movie, Mm -hmm. which is coming out, uh, which no longer is going to be directed by uh, Lee's favorite, Ben Wheatley, uh, but is now being directed by Misha Green, the showrunner of Lovecraft Country. So That's interesting. It is interesting. Now, I know, uh, Lee, were you looking forward to Tomb, Tomb Raider 2 with the, the Ben Wheatley? Um, I was looking forward to seeing a Ben Wheatley film when I, I think I had a, a very similar reaction where it was like, Tomb Raider 2, new film, oh, that's kind of expected. Ben Wheatley, oh, oh, oh fair enough. Like, it's one of those things I kind of prefer Ben Wheatley to stick, not stick to his lane as such, but like, keep doing like independent films. Don't do rebecca remakes don't do tomb raider 2s go do your weird things and stuff like that like we've had him on like the podcast a couple of times actually and um yeah i just find that an odd odd pairing so yeah i'm looking forward to tomb raider 2 with like a director i think i'm happy to see them doing that i just would prefer i know like ben wheatley seems to have like a million things in sort of um development or pre-production or post-production so i'm kind of glad that he will be able to focus elsewhere and hopefully it's less less rebecca's and tomb raider 2's going forward for him i i i mean i i've seen a number of ben wheatley movies and i've disliked all of them um, every time I go into it, I'm like, this one looks good, you know, and then I watch it and I'm like, that was bad. And I, <laughs> I, I kind of like, as much as I, I don't like Ben Wheatley's movies when they said like Ben Wheatley's directing a Terminator sequel, I was like, that is weird. And the fact that he would want to do that says something right there. Right. I want to see what a big action blockbuster sequel directed by Ben Wheatley looks like, you know, and, and that got me excited about it. Then again, when they were like, oh, well, now Misha Green is taking over. I'm like, that's perfectly fine with me because, <laughs> I mean, I haven't finished Lovecraft Country yet, but from what I've seen, it's awesome. So, yeah, let let her direct it. That's cool. Yeah, yep. Weird auteurs making movies. That's That's still a thing. And uh, Darren Aronofsky, you know, we talked about The Whale a few weeks ago. He's got another movie coming out now, or well, not coming out, but in development now, uh, called Adrift. And this one stars Jared Leto, the reteaming of the Requiem for a Dream team. But it's also produced by Jason Blum. And it's like a something ship out at sea, whatever. I don't know. I didn't want to get too far into it because it's based on like a short story and I didn't want the thing um, spoiled for me. But yeah, um, Lee, what, what do you think? Are you an Aronofsky fan? Are you looking forward to this one? Well, yeah, definitely. I'm a, I'm a huge Aronofsky fan. It's been nice the sort of the past two weeks we've got kind of, uh, we got the news of the whale, which I'm really interested in. And um, yeah, Drift, like the one thing that I have a slight issue with is Jared Leto isn't pretty insufferable and i can't remember the last time he did anything particularly good or was in anything good so i'm kind of glad that he's perhaps reunited with someone that has like they've got a good track record they've got like one for one so far but i'm i don't know much about the plot of adrift either but i'm kind of hopeful for his castmates sake that if it's like jared leto like alone in a drift on a boat so that there's no chance of him getting up to wild antics or sending castmates anything bizarre in the post so yeah i'm i'm I'm, that's what i'm crossing my fingers for is for like no human resource disasters on the adrift you remember that time like a year ago when jared leto went into the desert for like a month to like just be alone (laughs) with his thoughts and then he came back to discover that the entire world was in a global pandemic. <laughs> That's par for the course for that guy. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah, with but- you, Lee. I'm with you, Lee, on, on your assessment of Leto. <laughs> At least, well, hey, we'll get to see him in the Justice League, the director's cut, right? Yay. That's, 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 that's what exactly what we need. More of his version of the Joker. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, hey, Aronofsky, I'm, I'm, you know, on board with with Lee and that I will see everything that he does and him teaming up with Jason Blum. That sounds like a weird pairing, but I think it could totally work. Um, I mean, the, the the idea of this movie sounds a lot more interesting to me than the whale, but uh, we'll just have to wait and see. I, I'm, I agree with you guys that the, the Leto, the Leto thing is a little weird, you know, but mm-hmm. what can you do? Cloverfield. Cloverfield. (laughs) Hey, guys, there's going to be a new Cloverfield movie. 
are, are, are you guys fans of, of Cloverfield, Lance? Uh, not really. I thought it was <laughs> all right. All right. All right. What about the sequels? Did you like 10 Cloverfield Lane or the Cloverfield Paradox? I didn't see those last two. Ooh, oh, no. What about you, Lee? I, I enjoyed the first one. Um, I really enjoyed 10 Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. I remember being really excited about Cloverfield Paradox like, dropping onto Netflix. Like yeah. when that, I think that got announced in like, the Super Bowl. It was like, tune into Netflix in like 10 minutes and you'll get a new Cloverfield <laughs> yep. film. Like I woke up to yep. that news like because of the time difference. I was like, holy hell, Like get me there right now. But what kind of has me really quite excited about the news is that sort of like, as I say, the second one I thought was was fantastic, probably the best of the bunch so far. But like two and three were like other films that they were like, we're going to just like attach something onto it to make it part of this Cloverfield, you know, universe. But like this is the first one that's like ever sort of going to be like, we want to make a sequel. And like that is our intention to to this franchise. So it'll be, be interesting to see what they do with like being able to do whatever they want with it. I'm just slightly disappointed it's not kind of got a surprise element like we had with the, you know, the second one, like 10 Cloverfield Lane. You know, oh, that's, this is actually a sequel. And with like Cloverfield Paradox of like tune in now. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they, they do. I've kind of lost interest after how poor the third one was, but hope after the first and the second anyway. Yeah, yeah, Lance, definitely check out Ten Cloverfield Lane. It's okay. awesome. I mean, okay. it, it, it's uh, it it probably is better than the first one. You know, I mean, the first one is like whatever, but it's very much anthology based. Where like literally, Ten Cloverfield Lane has absolutely nothing to do with the first one. Like literally nothing. I mean, it's basically like Twilight Zone sort of stuff. You know. Okay. Um the the third one that's another matter entirely. Um. <laughs> I, you know, but uh, yeah, I don't know that that one is not very good, but maybe okay. rel- maybe relevant. I don't know. I, I need to, I need to rewatch it. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to this one too, uh, especially you know since they they they're doing like it's not going to be another found footage movie, which I think mm-hmm. is cool. I mean, the thing that I always thought would be cool is if they did like the same story from another perspective, right? Like, okay. you know. Uh, they 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 talked about like the writer has talked about how uh, at one point they had written a scene where like they're when they're running through like the military tents or whatever they run by like two people you know like one muscular dude with some woman and the woman says like but you can't go up there you could die you know and hmm. you know the idea being that there is like a Michael Bay movie going on in the background we're just not okay. seeing it you know gotcha. It's like, well, let's see the Michael Bay movie now, right? Let's see what happens. <laughs> but this one, another kind of interesting thing is it's written by someone who we just talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, Joe Barton, who is the the writer or the showrunner of the new Batman Gotham City Police Department show, right? Mm. So he's writing it. And it's kind of interesting when you think about it because the first Cloverfield was a Matt Reeves movie. And now this is an expansion of that, and Uh-oh. GCPD is an expansion of the Batman, which is a Matt Reeves movie. So, who knows? Maybe maybe those two have, have really hit it off, and and that's what's Possibly. going on here. Yeah. Um. Now you know there was another movie which, for a while there, they were going to make a Cloverfield movie, and that's Overlord. Did you guys see that? Mm-hmm. The like zombie World War oh, Two yes, movie yes. thing. It's bad. Don't, don't okay. worry about it. It's bad. <laughs> um, but but that at one point they were like, let's make this a Cloverfield movie, and then they were like, no, nah, let's not. All right. So turning to TV for a minute, Buck Rogers. There's a TV series in the works, Buck Rogers. And here's the cool thing: George Clooney is executive producing and looking to star in it. Neither of which surprised me. Okay. Um, and. <laughs> And, and and that's not and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just like it seems like this would be something that he would be into. Um and I love George Clooney, so I'll def I'll keep my eye out for on this one. Yeah, it it does seem weird to me. Maybe it's just because of my perception of Buck Rogers, but you know, they could be like, Oh, we're Battlestar Galacticing this, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, and I could see him jumping on board. He always does weird stuff, and and I'm I'm, yeah. I'm here for whatever he does. So yeah, that's that's a good descriptor. He does weird stuff, but like yeah, <laughs> I'm here for it with George Clooney. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, 
another, I guess, television project, even though it is a movie, is uh, White Noise, which is going to be the new Noah Baumbach movie on Netflix, who apparently have secured him for years. He's going to be making Netflix movies. Now, Lee, I know that you're a huge Noah Baumbach fan. What do you think about White Noise? Interesting. Or this Netflix deal. Yeah, I mean, the Netflix deal isn't a surprise, really, considering sort of his last two films have been kind of with Netflix. So I kind of assumed that was where things were going to kind of go eventually with him. Um, yeah, it's an interesting kind of story. I remember sort of White Noise was announced a few weeks ago, sort of ahead of this deal. And like, I don't know if you've have read the kind of the description of the book it's kind of based on, but like... Um, it's like the character that Adam Driver is going to play, Jack Gondley, is the career and chairman of Hitler's studies at the College on the Hill. This is the story of his absurd life, a life that is going well enough until a chemical spill from a rail car releases an airborne toxic event and Jack is forced to confront his biggest fear, his own mortality. There is a lot, a lot, a lot going to unpack on in that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I'm sitting there still at the beginning going, Hitler's studies, and then it's like, toxic chemical spills mortality greta gerwig's in it. it's like right right oh okay um sure um so yeah i am i might read the book in advance of it but i might just save that for for the film it's it seems very like kind of different to tim Baumbach's movies i don't know if you can do a mumblecore movie about sort of a to- an airborne toxic event We'll we'll find out. I think so. Yeah, um, interesting. I look forward to the Netflix description of coming this you know autumn season or something like that. Hitler studies. It's it's bizarre. <laughs> I know the book is considered to be like a classic. You know, I mean, people absolutely love the book. Um, I haven't read it, but um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess my big question is, what does this mean for the Barbie movie? Is that still happening? <laughs> yeah, probably is, oh, good right? point. Well, let's hope so. I, I like Noah Baumbach. Um, I'll see whatever whatever he does. Uh, but um, yeah, I don't know. Netflix. Cool. All right. So uh, William Shatner. William Shatner. He's a conundrum. He's the best. <laughs> and he's also William Shatner. Mm-hmm. And he's got a new movie coming out called Senior Moment, where he plays a retired astronaut. <laughs> who um, gets arrested for drag racing and has his license taken away and now needs to, I don't know, discover the joys of life that don't involve drag racing or something with the help of Christopher Lloyd. Um, I'm there, you know. It's kind of unfortunate that he's not playing himself in this, but maybe he is. He likely uh, will be. Probably, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds absolutely insane, but uh, I'm, I'm going to watch it. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm there. Like, Gene Smart as well. That is real yeah. exciting. Uh, so, 24 season 5, uh, Hive, Rise Up. Um, so, yeah. yeah that's that's I'm, where I'm everyone for- thinks of Gene Smart being from. Not like, you know, Watchmen or Agent. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, like I'm, I'm excited for it. Like I think I read a bit where it's like, and he has to go on the bus for the first time and yeah. discover the like the joys of humble life. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that was the episode of The Simpsons where like Mr. Burns went bust and he like rode the bus <laughs> for the first time. So, I mean, one of those things like you know Shatner, as you say, he's equally the best and the worst. Like if he just deleted Twitter or just did not let his like agent or whoever like access it, that would be great. But like he's a great comedy talent though. Like he's so good at it. Like I rewatched uh, the voice home the other day i mean that's in amongst many of his sort of comedy projects and um, <laughs> you think of like boston legal airplane mm-hmm. 2 which i i do enjoy quite a lot so like I, i'm excited about this i think you posted like that in the news chat the other day and i was like huh i'm sold on that like i just needed to hear that sort of like christopher lloyd william shatner and gene smart were making a, a comedy movie yeah i'm excited I'm, I'm sure he won't be able to attend some sort of conventions for a little while but yeah i think i'm excited <laughs> that's a star trek 3 reunion i didn't even that's think about that yeah yeah oh well william shatner. sounds hilarious it does it does sound hilarious and and i imagine i think it's already been shot i imagine we'll be getting it mm. pretty soon so cool yeah all right, and finally, some, I guess, big news this week. Harry Potter is getting his own TV show. Uh, it's in the works right now. Sounds like it's in very early development for HBO Max. I mean, this is just kind of a no-brainer, right? I mean, yeah. it's like Harry Potter 
TV show. If you own the rights to Harry Potter, yeah, you're going to make a TV show. It just seems to fit. Yeah. Um, does anybody care about this? Not really. <laughs> uh, I cycled past J.K. Rowling's house today, and that's the closest I'll come to sort of watching <laughs> her products and stuff like yeah. that. So, yeah, couldn't care. Yeah, me either. I mean, I, I get it. I get that there's a lot of Harry Potter fans out there. Um, you know, and who knows? Love Harry maybe, Potter money. A lot of Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised. You know, if, if someone, if they said like, Ron Moore is going to be the showrunner on Harry Potter, mm. I'll be like, so now I got to watch it? Okay, fine. I'll <laughs> yeah. watch it. But short of that, like, I cannot see myself. I, I hear you on that. It's like, it's going to take a big name involved with this project for me to be interested enough to try and watch a couple episodes to see what it's about. But otherwise, I'm just like, you know what? You do you. You get like, keep getting your checks. And, you know, you know, that I'm not hating on them for getting their money and milk, milking that Harry Potter cow. Like, go for it. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you know, I'm sure it'll be out in like five years or whatever. And, you know, we'll, we'll be talking about it. For five years and never yeah. watch. <laughs> okay, so speaking of things that last forever, award season has started, and you know, kind of leading up to like what is going to get nominated for for Oscars and everything. You know, we have our first two lists, which are some sort of indicator of of the general public's uh, take on on uh, these movies. So mm-hmm. the AFI actually came out first. It's usually the National Board of Review, but this year it's the AFI because the year is all weird. And there are 10 movies that they've announced as being like the best of the year are The Five Bloods, Judas and the Black Messiah, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, Soul, Sound of Metal, and Trial of the Chicago 7. Uh, so Lee, what's your favorite from that list? I have, I've done my homework. I've got a top 10. Um, I've been lucky enough to see all of them. So um, I can give you a quick top 10 rundown. Um, And I'm I'm going to firstly apologize to poor Lance because like number 10 is Ma Rain's uh, Black Bottom, (laughs) which I know you're looking forward to. I I just didn't like it that much. It's all good. Then it's Soul, soul, Mank, One Night in Miami, No Man Land, Judas and the Black Messiah, which is is very good. I know you're looking forward to that one as well. The Five Bloods, Trial of Chicago 7, Sound of Metal and Minari. All right, all right. What was what's your favorite from that list, Lance? Uh, soul. Um, yeah. But you know some of the ones that like. But you know, Defy Bloods is on there. I'm I'm happy that it's there. One Night in Miami. I'm happy that it's there. The Trial of Chicago Seven. Glad that that's there. Uh, Nomadland. I'm looking forward to. Um, so you know, and glad that Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is on there as well. So like, I like this list. Um, it is a. This is a much more encouraging and. Uh, list than, of these types of uh, like that I've seen like in in a while because uh, normally like I see these lists and I was just like what is this like <laughs> I was like I don't do, I don't agree with any of these uh, like the, uh, like these things that are that are in place here but the ones that are here is like I totally get it yeah I mean of, of the ones that I've seen a trial of the Chicago Seven I think is definitely uh, the best uh, out of those um, although I I all I am also a really big fan of One Night in Miami. Uh, and soul, uh, and and you know, I thought that some of these others were were pretty good too. But I guess those would be my top three from this list. Uh, okay, so now let's look at the National Board of Reviews top ten. They they break it out and they say what their number one movie is, which is *The Five Bloods*. Um, but then they also gave a list of like top ten films. I guess not including *The Five Bloods*. Uh, and they are *First Cow*, the forty-year-old version. Judas and the Black Messiah, The Midnight Sky, Minari, News of the World, Nomad Land, Promising Young Woman, Soul, and Sound of Metal. So, uh, Lee, what, what what stands out to you there? Still Minari? Uh, yeah, well, I'm kind of glad. Like, for me, First Cow was the second best film of, of last year. Um, so I was glad to see that kind of get... It seems to be getting a bit more of a buzz the past, past week, but... Uh, the one film that kind of stood out for me was like what kind of ended up in the top 10 independent films uh, list and that is like was my favorite film of of last year and it seems to be getting a bit more buzz especially in the past week and that's never rarely sometimes always so yeah Mm -hmm. i was i was really happy to see those two films kind of get kind of travel to the the national board of of reviews i'm hopeful that this is the sign of, of things to come for those two movies anyway 
And and Souls number one for you still, Lance, I take it? Yeah. Yeah. And for me, on this list, it would be Promising Young Woman. Uh, mm. that, movie, that movie was awesome. I need to see that. Yeah, excellent. Looking forward for that one. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sure we'll get a lot more of these lists in the next few uh, weeks. You know, February 28th is the end of, of the of the season officially. I think we'll get the reminder list of all the movies eligible from... Uh, the Academy, probably this coming week and uh, whatever, for whatever that means for anyone who cares. All right. right. Well, Lee, thanks for joining us. Uh, Where can can people find you on the internet? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Lee Hutchison underscore, and you can find me on on Filibuster, chatting to Ben Wheatley. Um, I'm not about Tomb Raider 2 anyway. Um, And you can find me on the A24 Project. Um, Yeah, I think we're dropping our 100th episode in like in a week's time. So yeah, a a nice landmark one for us, yeah. Yeah. What about you, Lance? Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, They can find me at Sir Lance Laster on all of my social medias. And you can find me on the United Federation of Podcasts talking about all the things that make Arrow Arrow on my podcast, Always Hold On to Arrow. You can find us on Twitter at Do Not Fail Our Pod. Cool. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mumbles3K. You can also find me on my website, FilmDamagePod.com, doing a show called Film Damage, where we talk about time travel, Star Trek, and film projection. And you can currently find me on TalkFilmSociety.com, doing a show called Trek Film Society, where we take a look at Star Trek movies through a more critical eye. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us this week, Lee. And uh, you're welcome back anytime. And until next week, take it easy. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.